Hey, teachers, welcome to the thing that we do on Fridays. It's me, Brother Lawson. I'm with Brother Wing. How are you, Brother Wing? Fantastic. You are fantastic. You're one of the most fantastic people I know. When it comes to fantastic people, you're one of them. Okay. (laughs) I'll take it. All right. Let's just talk about Isaiah. Enough of this. Enough of this small talk. Hey, teachers, this week uh, in seminary, you got Isaiah 50 through 57. Um, that means that next week is going to be your last week. Like, ne- like next, next week, is it th- this week? Not next, you know, week next after. week <laughs> after general conference is going to be your last week in Isaiah. So live it up. I just enjoy it. It's going to be great. Do you know, you also have general conference coming up, brother. Wayne? Do you watch conference in your home or do you usually go out to the lake and go water skiing during general conference? <laughs> we typically, just reluctantly do general conference yeah <laughs> well this week teachers were not only i mean you're this is like a, a three for one deal not only are you going to get uh, some insights and in how to do scripture feasting with these chapters in isaiah but also we're going to throw in for free some general conference prep ideas that you can do and we're also going to throw in for free some doctoral mastery ideas that you can do i mean this is a a seminary uh, thing that we do on Fridays, smorgasbord, palooza. So, get it. I can see the excitement in your face, brother Wing. <laughs> it's there. It's there. <laughs> Good. All right. So let's get let's jump right into Isaiah chapter fifty. The first day is going to be Isaiah fifty and fifty-one. All right. So, brother Wing, get us start us off here. Uh, how do how are we going to set up scripture feasting and what amazing experiences are, will our students have on that first day? All right, I'm not trying to start off the week too serious, um, but 50 seems to be really effective for uh, lots of reasons. But how about this one? A pretty common thing that people think in this world is that God doesn't love them anymore. Like they've made a mistake. Why, why do people think that? Well, because of their own sins. I think. And, and then they, because of their sins, they're more exposed to the influence of the adversary who prior to the sin is telling them that do whatever they want and how dare they be confined by commandments. And then after they sin, the save or the Satan just kind of totally shifts his thing to basically say, you can never repent. God doesn't love you anymore. So, um, it's a really difficult place to be in uh, for all of us when we're in that in that spot. And uh, so then how would a person who feels that God doesn't love them anymore react to the message of Isaiah 50? Now, that's a cool thing uh, to consider. In fact, that's a great question. That'd be a good one to write. If I were, I would use that question in a class, brother. I would write that question on the board so my students could see it. Cause that's a deep question. Ask that question again. Cause the teachers right now are getting ready to rewind it, to listen to that question again. How would a person who feels that God doesn't love them anymore react to the message of Isaiah 50? Mm. And so, you know, students could read this for themselves 
uh, with that in mind, they might also even this is okay. This is this is next level now. Mm-hmm. But what if students were to? It's eleven verses long, Isaiah fifty, not a long chapter. Right. What if they were to translate each verse uh, for the person who thinks that God doesn't love them? Wow, that's an interesting idea. And and uh, just kind of like okay, so what? Here's verse one. What's it basically saying to the guy who thinks that God doesn't love him, you know, and then go to verse two or three. And um, I kind of started to do this myself because I looked at verse one and and thought basically God's saying, yeah, there's a separation between us and who moved, you know, like it wasn't me, you know, I didn't, I didn't move. Um, Like I still care about you verse two and three, you know, so um look at i have i have power here i can do things to help you um and redeem you i that, in fact that's what i still want to do right now so quit looking at yourself and start looking at me and and what i can do i mean that's kind of like these are my my rough translations of of these first few verses but if students were to take um take this and kind of walk through uh, chapter 50 at least looking for that message um and how to help someone who believes this wrong thing that God doesn't love them. Uh, 50's got a great, great message there, along with the rest of these chapters, this whole week right. is going to be fantastic for someone who, who can, who uh, is in this rough spot. Yeah. I like that. In fact, I've, I think that would go, I've had an idea. I like your idea really good, but I think we, you could probably add to it. I like that idea of translating each of those verses along with, from the premise of that question, um, that, that their students are consider, considering. I love verse 11 of Isaiah 50, maybe starting with verse 11, talking about how Isaiah is speaking to a group of people who are being led by sparks rather than the light of a fire. All right. So the, the difference between, and maybe you could even do a little object lesson, and it's probably dark when you're having seminary, you could turn out the lights and bring in like a a little teeny light, like a Christmas light, you know, if you have a small light, maybe even the light from a watch or something and talk about being led by that light versus the light of a fire, a a power, the light of God. Um, Typically people feel abandoned by God, I think, because they don't know him. And so if we don't know God, then, then we make up stuff about him in our mind and we say, oh, something bad happened. God must hate me. Uh, and they don't know how God truly is. They they make up a God almost like an idol in their mind of the personality and the characteristics and who he is. And and that's, I think, what Isaiah is trying to do is saying, hey, you guys are walking with uh, being led by sparks. You don't see who God really is. You need to you need to come come know who he is and then you can be led by him in a in a bright way and see him for who he really is. That's a great um, addition there. And then teachers, after the students have had kind of a feasting here, depending on how that goes, if you notice that they start to comment on the character of God or express some kind of a misunderstanding about the character of God, Elder Christofferson's talk from April 2022 General Conference would be a great one to refer them to. You can maybe do like a second round of scripture feasting, just go to Elder Christofferson's talk and just give the students like three or four minutes to look in there and see what do you, what do you learn in here about our relationship with God and God himself? Right. Excellent. You know, in chapter, 
I also had one of my ideas was uh, in chapter 51, uh, verse three, we have the simple statement, the Lord shall comfort Zion. I thought it might be interesting for your students to scripture feast on chapter 50 and 51 and look for statements of comfort that come from the Lord. Um, what's a comforting statement? Now, your students will be able to identify comforting statements. And you as a teacher could say something like, oh, that's really great. Thank you for sharing. Anybody else have something? But what you should say is, thank you for sharing. Why do you, how do you know that's true? How do you, how have you come to know that the Lord comforts in this way? Or uh, have you seen the Lord act in this way before? Uh, when have you ever felt comfort uh, come from heaven? Uh, and and allow them to, to search their feelings and their memories uh, so that they can share testimony of the truths that they're finding in the scriptures. Great idea. Yeah. Excellent. You got anything else for 1551? 51 could also be seen as like, um, just it, there's so much about awake and the teacher manual talks about, you know, using an alarm clock and why you have an alarm clock and stuff. And you might, that's a pretty cool idea to kind of go through there and students read 51 looking for the alarm for you, like what wakes you up, you know, and you could maybe even have the students consider when was the last time where you just kind of thought to yourself, man, I need to do better spiritually. Like I just really need to do better. And what was it that kind of triggered that thought? Um, and, and maybe there's some other ways that we can trigger that thought rather than something bad that just happened or um, some mistake that we made that we could go to the scriptures and let the scriptures humble us and focus us on the Lord and initiate a change without being compelled to be humble. Right. And that's the kind of thing that Isaiah 51 can do. You know, as I, I think one of the things also that you might be able to do some, I know a lot of teachers are concerned about maybe students that aren't engaging in scripture feasting at a level that, um, or maybe even at all. And so Maybe you can make special assignments to some of those uh, students and say, hey, will you just find like three words that uh, in Isaiah 51 or Isaiah 50 that um, we might not know what they mean? And will you look them up and just share with us uh, their definitions um, and maybe make that a part, just a, almost like a tradition of the day. Uh, we're going to have Timmy share with us definitions of three words that he thinks we need to he thinks we might be struggling with in this chapter. That's a good way to get Mr. Timmy involved in scripture study and making him feel uh, like he belongs in the class. Excellent. Anything else for 1551, Brother Winger? Nope. All right. So then the next day, oh, I've lost my place here. Oh, we got 52 and 53. All right. 52 and 53. What do you got there for 52 and 53? 52, like the word gospel means good news. So this is, I mean, if you're looking for hope in the chapter before, this would be like, find some good news uh, here in this chapter. And so look through 52, find the good news. You know, the teacher man, again, has a, like the shows how he likens these messengers who would run to give reports about battles or whatever. And if, you know, if they had really good news to report, it was probably a pretty happy scene you know, in, in doing that. And so think of the good news of the gospel. Think of someone who's been struggling in sin and they find out that there's redemption is available, or they find out that God does not actually hate them, um, that they, that he loves them and wants them back and that he can, he doesn't just 
have mercy for them, but he has the power to cleanse them and, and make it to where the sin didn't actually happen. You know, like, I mean, this is the miracle of Christ and the atonement that he performed for us. And so look for this good news here that would just bring such relief and joy and hope um, to people out there in the world. You know, I love that. Uh, I think the, one of the things that I I caught on as I was studying was, do you remember our good guy, Abinadi, that we read in Mosiah in the Book of Mormon? I thought it might be fun to uh, to answer Alma's question or to find Alma's or Abinadi's answer to probably Alma's question uh, or some one of the priests of King Noah when he asked in verse seven, how, hey, what does it mean that how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet that bringeth good tidings that publisheth peace. Um, I've wondered about that. You have any ideas of, I got an idea of why I think the priests of Noah, one of the priests asked that question. You have, have you ever wondered why one of the priests of Noah would ask um, Abinadi that particular question? Like, Hey, what does that verse in Isaiah mean? Yeah. I've always thought it was that they were basically saying, you're telling us that we're in trouble and that we have to do stuff. And that seems hard. Like, aren't you supposed to be giving us good news and happy stuff? You know, that's kind of what I thought too. I probably maybe add to a little bit to that. I I wondered if, I mean, King Noah was the king of, and the priests were the king of just kind of flattering the people. And there's a false sense of peace that maybe that they were prescribing to the, to, to their folks. Um, and they're like, hey, you're coming in, kind of like what you're saying. You're coming in. You're telling us to repent. And that doesn't seem very peaceful. What we're doing is publishing peace. I think that's an important thing to consider is that peace isn't always um, isn't always just warm, fuzzy feelings, uh, but it's a, a quiet confidence. I think about Nephi when he's asked to, to, to kill Laban. And I'm wondering how much peace, you know, as far as the world would describe peace, I'm wondering how much peace Nephi was feeling in that time. Like, oh, I just feel so warm and fuzzy right now as I'm <laughs> getting ready to do this, but rather confidence and excitement about uh, about following the commandments of God. So that's great. That's a good one. Uh, that's all you might uh, involve the Book of Mormon in your class a little bit and say, have the students do some scripture feasting on that um on that in the book of mormon like okay here's a question that the priest of noah had and let's see if we can find the the answer it takes a little while for abinadi to give him that answer but um that might be a fun way to Im implement the book of mormon anything else in 52 the last verse says so so shall he sprinkle many nations mm -hmm. and that's kind of a different translation um and uh, other translations render that verse so shall he startle many nations. Mm. Like he's going to get their attention. Um, that kind of fits better with the context, I think. Yeah, especially with the next line that the kings will shut their mouths at him. That's it's strange that a king would ever be speechless, but when they see when they come to know the Savior, then and what he did, then that would be the result. Yeah. Okay. Who hath believed our report in section in Isaiah 53? All right. What do you got for Isaiah 53? So I've shared this before. I think it's when we did it with the Book of Mormon, but um, you do a, a, a who am I on this? And you can set it up with some other like who am I and describe your bishop or who am I and describe somebody in the class. Um, but you could do 
or President Nelson or something, but here you could use words, um, you know, that describe that are used here to describe the Savior. You mm-hmm. know, um, no beauty, despised, rejected, man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, um, not highly esteemed, and um, and just say, who are we talking about here? You know, and smitten of God and afflicted. You know, all of those wounded bruised and uh and then let him go into the first few verses there and figure out who who they who isaiah is referring to uh with this and then then talk to him about why is why is christ described this way and um what do we learn about him and so that might be a way to kind of get them into the text here but then let them keep going you know from verses you know six through twelve and what else do we learn about the savior uh, from these very tender passages. Right. I love that. I think these are, um, this is one of my favorite, if not my, the favorite chapter in all of Isaiah, maybe even the old Testament. I think this one clearly teaches about the savior. And I had this, um, this, this new thought that maybe teachers you might try with your students, uh, just having them scripture feast the whole, they should read the whole, this whole chapter. This whole chapter is fantastic, but it's interesting how many times Isaiah says, uh, uses the word we and our in Isaiah 53. Uh, he's not talking about other, other people. He's talking about us, right? When he says things like all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Uh, and the Lord has laid, on him, the iniquity of us all. This is a chapter about you and it's a chapter about me and it's a chapter about your students. And so um, having them maybe even just, maybe just circling those we's and ours um, and us's and saying, what difference does it make knowing that Isaiah is talking directly to you in these first seven, uh, seven or eight verses that might uh, spark some conversation. Also, this is a super good chapter to read really slowly on. And again, defining words, even phrases that you might be, you might think, oh, I already know what that means. But um, a, a phrase like born our griefs, uh, wounded for our transgressions, stripes, we are healed. There's a whole bunch of, of um, the word despised might be an interesting word to look up as well. And there's some really, really cool words in here that I think will add to the depth of uh, the not only the discussion that you have in class, but also the application when your students are thinking about how am I going to be different because of what I just learned in Isaiah 53. Mm-hmm. Anything else in there, Brother Winger? Yeah, you know, the first verse says, <clears throat> who hath believed our report or to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? I wonder if possibly that is essentially asking who will be able to recognize the Savior. And and then he describes the following verses, like how unrecognizable he will be, you know. And so, uh, and and then it can kind of lead to a conversation about us recognizing the Lord in our lives right now. Like, how do you know when he's there? How do you see him? Um, What, what, how do you know that when he's acting or working in your life? And, and it can be quite tricky, I think, to recognize the Lord. And if we're not using the scriptures and allowing the Holy Ghost to help us, 
it might even be impossible to right. see him or recognize him. And so let's uh, use the scriptures. Let's use Isaiah. Let's listen to the spirit and let's look for him because he's there. Excellent. Excellent. All right. The next day is a doctrinal mastery day. Last week, Brother Wing, I kind of teased the teachers that I would show them, give them this uh, this idea for doctrinal mastery. It's something that we're doing in the in Springfield, and it's uh, almost a complete and total ripoff of from Brother Thorderson in uh, in Georgia. Um, he wanted to make sure that he got credit for for this, but uh, I wanted just to share it with you really quickly. And teachers, I'll post this on the Facebook page so that you'll you can see it but what it is is a um it's a bookmark you know how much we love bookmarks uh this is this is printable this is a printable bookmark there's two pages for it that's why it's you can see it's kind of duplicated there but there's a front and a back but what it is is this on a on a doctoral mastery day what you would do is um maybe share just a brief context of that doctoral mastery scripture and then your students just get started on this bookmark right there's 10 steps on this bookmark it starts off you can see uh pray we got pray read looking for significant words and phrases chapter headings cross references questions and answers eternal perspective experiences actions and commitment um as you read through these, I'm not going to take the time right now to read through all each, every one of the things your students will just do, will do every single one of those, um, of those steps. Now they might not get you. Typically students don't get through all 10 in a class period. Uh, and they're the students will enjoy doing, I've had many teachers and I've seen this happen. Students will enjoy doing this. Like they enjoyed doing scripture feasting as well. This gives them an opportunity to master uh, the, that doctrinal mastery and acquire that spiritual knowledge uh, from that verse. And so I have teachers in, in, in my area that are actually doing doctrinal mastery twice a week because their students enjoy doing this doc, these doctrinal mastery. That's totally fine by me. I'm, is it fine by you, Brother Wing, if teacher does that? Yeah, I think, I think feasting on the scriptures is good. Yeah, excellent. And so teachers, you can just go through for yourself and read what each step, what the students will do in each step. And you'll just be like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. Your students will do it. And they'll say, oh, yeah, this is awesome. You can also modify this. Like uh, today, students, we're going to do one, three, and five, uh, and seven. Or you could say, hey, students, today, we're going we're gonna to do seven, eight, nine, and 10. Um, and and you can modify it that way. You don't have to do all 10 steps in one doctoral mastery day. You got any questions about that for the wing? No, but I just, for my teachers, I have also posted this on our canvas course on the homepage. And so you have access to it there as well. Excellent. Good. All right. So that doctoral mastery day is Isaiah 53, three through five. What a cool scripture. That's that'll be, if you're going to start doing that bookmark, like this is a great week to do it because that's a fantastic, all the Dr. Mastery scriptures are good, but I really love that one in Isaiah 53. All right. Okay. So uh, anything else to say about Dr. Mastery, Brilling? No. Okay. Then let's go on to Isaiah 54. We got 54 through 57. Get us started on that. All right. So. It's going to sound weird, but 54 was quoted by the Savior in 
the Book of Mormon, but I like 55 better. So I don't know what that says about me, but definitely we don't want to overshadow 54. Yeah, because um, Jesus apparently really liked it, Brother Wayne. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, since Jesus liked it. So, but I would go old school on 54. Get the the bookmark out with the eight questions and the study skills. Um, like the rest of Isaiah, they're still going to have to kind of work on this. Think about it symbolically. I would, you know, you can take verse one literally, you know, that more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife. And maybe that's true in Isaiah's day. And he's, but it, it seems like he's using that more of a metaphor of us being uh, the bride of Christ, you know, and that he is going to enter a covenant relationship with us and that we sometimes tend to stray from our faithfulness. Uh, to that covenant. And so having that as a framework uh, and that metaphor in the minds of the students, and then they go in to chapter 54, they might get more out of that as they study it on their own. But that, that aside from that background and just working through normal Isaiah stuff, I think the students can do 54 um, on their own and learn a lot of great things. Yeah. It's interesting. I think in Isaiah 54, it's, we really see that what the Lord's forgiveness really looks like. Um, he not only forgives us of like, of how we neglect him sometimes, but he also seeks to, to repair in us the thing that caused us to leave him in the first place. So then we can't get stuck on uh, why can't, you know, why can't I feel God's love for me uh, when our consistency in loving him is oftentimes lacking. I was thinking about um, elder Renlund's talk to the women in last conference when he talked about how um, we have this, <clears throat> sometimes there's individuals that have this expectation that I should be able to feel God's love all the time when we are not loving him all of the time. And uh, can you imagine if God complained like we complained, you know, like, ah, this not, I'm not feeling the love from, from brother Lawson or he wouldn't call me brother Lawson, but, uh, from, I'm not feeling the love from John very much these days. Oh, I wonder if he, I wonder if he hates me. I wonder if he just doesn't care about me. So, um, I see in, in chapter 54, I think we see that the Lord's forgiveness is complete and it, regardless of how we've treated him in the past, if we're willing to treat him and our father in heaven differently going forward, uh, they're all in on it. So that's a good one. Yeah, like you know that verse 54, 8, when it says, in a little wrath, I hid my face from thee yeah. for a moment? Mm -hmm. Seems kind of interesting. Almost seems like rude, you know, what he yeah. hide, you know, hide. But then, but then I thought, the fact, why, why would he have to hide if he's like way far away? Mm -hmm. You know, it, it almost implies that he's close. You know, oh, I see what you're saying. He's, yeah, exactly. No, I so, see what you're saying. I actually looked up that, um, that in a lot of different translations and that really is that he hid <laughs> his yeah. face. And so, um, but yeah, it seems like then he, if you're hiding, you're not far away. You're right there. Um, I like that, that, but with everlasting kindness, he'll have mercy. And so there are times that God's face is going to be hidden from us. Yeah. And these are, again, goes back to, you know, 50 and 51 that who moved, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's us that moved. Our sins have caused this, right. this separation, but he's, he's there and his mercy uh, is there.
Yeah. I like it. You know, man, chapter, chapter 55, all of these chapters, 54 through uh, 57, they're all pretty great. Some are better than others, but um, so you can spend some time on these. Like if you want to read again with this pacing guide, you don't have to be a strict adherent to this. I mean, you can spend more time if you feel uh, your students need more time in Isaiah 55 than they do in Isaiah 50 or something like that, then you can adjust and, and be flexible that way. Um, but I love, I love 55. 55 is uh, a great one. I love that verse six, seek the Lord while you may, while he may be found, call upon him when he's near the easiest time to find something is shortly after you lose it. And I think that's one of the reasons why the we hear all the time is Elder Scott was famous for saying, repent now, right? Change now. You've you've lost the you've lost this uh this relationship. Uh it's struggling. Hurry and get back. You don't want to be lost for long. Um what do you got? How would you approach 55? Yeah, 55 is fantastic. It it has so many cool answers to really legit questions, such mm-hmm. as uh, someone who doesn't want to repent, you know, so like you could, you could look through this and say, how do I encourage someone who doesn't seem like they want to repent? What does Isaiah 55 teach me about that? Um, another question, a totally separate question, but the answers are still in here too, is why is scripture study so valuable or why is it so important or why is it so crazy awesome? You know, mm-hmm. like, this would offer so much about scripture study. And um, another thing, remember in uh, Doctrine and Covenants 82, where it says where much is given, much is required. It says the same thing in Luke 12. But um, in Doctrine and Covenants 82, I was thinking, well, what's the context? Like, what's the much? Like we use it, that general principle. Oh, that's a good question. Education or money or gospel knowledge, you know, like what's the much where much is given, much is required. And in eight, in section 82, it's revelations, mm. like the, the much that God had right. revealed to them and they were going to, where much was given, much was required because he had given them so much. Well, here we have this, uh, a kind of a general principle in verses eight and nine for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways, my ways, heavens are higher than the earth. And we can use that in a lot of different applications as well, but what's the context um, in this again? And the verses before show that seek ye the Lord while he may be found, like maybe our sins have hidden him in a way, and we can go repent and turn to him and find him. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. I mean, this, that's a fantastic verse to focus on. And then it goes for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways. It's almost this. Tell me if I'm wrong here, brother Lawson, but it almost oh, seems like the Lord is saying my mercy and my ability to redeem is going to sound unbelievable, but just trust me on this one for your thoughts are not my thoughts. Like you can't figure this out of your mortal finite way of thinking about your own sins, but try to see it my way, you know, and trust me on this one, come back to me. I have mercy for you and I can redeem you and everything's going to be okay. Like just repent, like 
come back to me. I, the love is here. It may not even make sense to you. You think I don't love you, or you think there's impossible, or you think that you've sinned too much or all of that probably makes sense in your finite brain, but your thoughts are not my thoughts and you don't yeah. see things the way I see things. And so it's the context of our, the unbelievableness of his ability to redeem us that seems to be the specific context of this principle that can be applied in a bunch of different ways, but I love that context. Well, and what uh, one of the object lessons that, that Isaiah uses, I think it, that goes that, you know, that he illustrates this principle that my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts, your thoughts is he uses the word of God. He says, he compares the word of God to rain that comes down rain and snow that comes down waters, the ground. It doesn't, he says it, it comes down. It doesn't go back up it stays on the ground and the purpose of the rain and the snow is to make things grow so that people can eat food. And then he says, so shall the word in verse 11, so shall the word go forth from my mouth. So that the word is like rain. It's going to, it's not going to come back whenever it rains, something's going to grow. I mean, I'm not sure if you've ever seen even in death Valley, like where there's nothing growing, if it rains there, stuff is going to grow. Wherever it rains, there's going to be growth. Wherever the word of God comes down, there's there's going to be growth. It's not going to just go back up and and have not done anything. Um, it's going to prosper in verse 11. It shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. That verse 11, I think, is one of the greatest scripture study verses of all time. I think that uh, if if you want to prosper, uh, let the word of God just soak in. To you like rain and snow because and it's going to create and nourish you and uh i like that the trees of the field will clap their hands for you and the mountains will sing and all those things I'm yeah it's, your trees clapping hands yeah solid amen to verse 11 being one of the best verses ever about scripture study in the word and and this can this can be a spot uh, teachers where you kind of pause and time out with your students and say look this is the reason why we come to seminary and study the scriptures. This is the reason why we want to feast on the scriptures and not just get them into our ears or into our minds, but get them into our hearts so that we can get this nourishment to our soul and let the word of God prosper us so that verse 12, we get the joy and peace that comes with that. And if you're sitting there feeling like God doesn't love you or, or life is purposeless or whatever else is going on in your life, let the scriptures totally hook you up and bless you and prosper you, but you've got to let them in. Don't come to yeah. seminary with an umbrella and block all of this rain <laughs> that can get to you. Like open yourself, open your heart, really feast on these scriptures, get them into you and watch what happens because it is miraculous. Right. So one other super important part of 55 is back in verse three, the invitation of the Lord to listen to what he's about to say, what all the stuff we've been talking about. And he says, I will make an everlasting covenant with you. That should make us super excited. Anytime the Lord says, hey, would you like to make an everlasting covenant with me? Yeah. Um, I looked up, I, I studied that next phrase, even the sure mercies of David. And to be honest with you, it, it sounds to me like that's just like, that's again saying the sure mercies of David are another way to say an everlasting covenant. Um, so when the Lord says, I'm going to make with you an everlasting covenant. Uh, even the sure mercies of David, if you just just listen to the rest of this, listen to what the rest of the stuff I have to tell you. And uh, if you incline your ear, come unto me here, your soul's going to live. This is going to this is going to be great. So this is again, this is the goal of 
of uh, the Lord is for us to make covenants so that we can be so that we can be gathered. In fact, let's go to chapter uh, 56. Um, there is, uh, uh, well, I'll let you say, I, I got an idea of 56. So I'm going to run up the flagpole, but I want to hear yours first. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Mine's not really an idea. It's just a thought that I wanted to run past you. I didn't run it past you before we did our podcast. So I'll just let everybody in the world hear what I'm thinking, but go ahead. Yeah, this will be fun. Well, you probably are going to run, if you're trying to do 54 to 57 in one day, yeah. you're probably not going to have time to get to 56 and 57. Right. because of 54 and 55 but you might want to save that if you can incorporate 56 and 57 with your general conference review in fact one cool way to incorporate 56 with general conference is to say the first half of it is showing how these blessings are for everyone mm -hmm. you know? so it it doesn't matter who you are you may feel like you're an outcast or you're not part of the church or you're not look you just you keep the covenant you're going to be you're going to be yeah. blessed and the Lord's going to bring you in. But then the second half of uh, 56, I, I actually started to laugh at this, but he says, um, verse 10, his watchmen are blind. So mm -hmm. this is talking about the leaders of Israel and how they right. were failing the people. But his dumb descriptions dogs. are really hilarious. They're ignorant. They are dumb dogs. I mean, that's not a, that's not a paraphrase or an air. They can't bark. <laughs> they, they can't bark sleeping lying down loving to slumber yeah they're greedy dogs which can which can never have enough sounds like my <laughs> <And> so, dog <laughs> yeah so anyway i just thought that was interesting that these are some bad leaders again like this remember we were talking about the drunkards before that you don't want to take advice from drunk people mm -hmm. um this is where this is another uh, metaphor for them you don't want to take advice from these right. lazy greedy gluttonous dogs Right. And so uh, who do you want to take advice from? Well, let's go to the prophets and hear their counsel at general conference. This is the, the prophets of the day are the opposite of these greedy dogs. So I think there's like a, uh, uh, the way I was thinking when I was reading this and studying for this, um, there's a passage in, in Isaiah 56, I think is pretty cool. Unless I'm totally missing the interpret. If I'm interpreting it wrong, then you can tell me. But starting in verse three, like you said, this is an invitation. This is uh, God saying these blessings, this covenant that I mentioned before in Isaiah 55 is available to everyone. So listen, listen, listen to this starting in verse three. Neither let the son of the stranger that hath joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, the Lord hath utter, utterly separated me from his people. Neither let the eunuch say, behold, I'm a dry tree. So now that's an interesting statement. Now we know a eunuch is, you know what a eunuch, you can look up what a eunuch is. All right. So you've got, um, you got somebody, a stranger who's not a part of the house of Israel saying, uh, the Lord's never going to let me be among his people. And you got a eunuch saying, what good is this covenant for me that I'm going to have posterity as the stars of heaven, sands of the sea. That can't happen for me. I'm in a different circumstance. So you have two people that are in the circumstance that they think, is beyond the reach of a covenant. You can kind of consider that. Are there people today in the world that believe that they are beyond because of their circumstance, whether from their own actions or whether it's a uh, maybe a mental condition, maybe it's a, uh, a social type condition that they feel like 
the gospel is just not for, there's no acceptance for me in the house of Israel, in the church of Jesus Christ, because of the way that I am. Um, I know the number one thing that uh, youth and young adults worry about uh, as far as their concerns and questions and relative to the gospel in the church is their LGBTQ brothers and sisters, like then friends, what, like what's going to happen to them, right? Listen to this in verse three, for thus saith the Lord unto the eunuchs that keep my Sabbath and choose the things that please me and take hold of my covenant. Even unto them will I give in mine house and within my walls a place and a name better than the sons and of daughters. I will give them an everlasting name. They shall not be cut off. Verse five, I think sounds awesome, but verse four is crucial, right? There's the, there's the if in verse four and then the then in verse five. And then in six, also the sons of the stranger that join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love uh, and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it and taketh hold of my covenant, even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. I think that's awesome. I think that's a, a pretty powerful uh, few verses there. Um, and it continues on that way that everyone, if, if everyone, whoever is willing to keep the covenant, regardless of their circumstance that they are in, which could be a really difficult circumstance, they all are invited to not only uh, partake of the covenant, but to experience the joy, uh, the joy of that covenant, even, and, and the name better than the sons and, and, and of his daughters. I've, I've pondered that quite a bit actually lately, but I think that's a powerful uh, set of verses there in Isaiah 56. I like that, man. You, uh, that's good. Good. Pretty to good. For using for Friday. Yeah. Um, all right. 57. Uh, what do you got for 57. I'll just do scripture feasting on 54 through 56 and we'll take 57 in Institute. We'll do that. (laughs) I did think no peace to the wicked. Verse 21. Yeah. 57 10 caught my attention. Thou art wearied in the greatness of thy way. It's kind of interesting. I just thought that was interesting. (laughs) You think you're all that. It's going to be, it's going to wear you out to think you're all that. You know, right. So you're gonna think all the pressures on you, and you're not gonna line lean on the Lord. And so, yeah, it goes with the last of that chapter. But the wicked are like the troubled sea that right. cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. And so, um, the whole point is these promises of comfort come to those who repent and turn to the Lord. Yeah, this sounded to me Isaiah 57 sounded a little uh, proverbish to me. Um, not meaning there's just like little nuggets of it's like Isaiah is just like, Oh yeah. And remember this, remember this, remember this, um, throughout that. So, Oh, well, brother, we, Oh man, we got general conference prep. What are you thinking for general conference prep? What would a teacher do for general conference prep? So there's two things. I mean, and I've said this multiple times, but it just, is so helpful for students to take down some questions, like write, like actually write down questions that they have for the Lord before general conference. To me, that is the best 
general conference prep that can be done um, as far as like an action item uh, in addition to their prayers and, you know, their personal thoughts and repenting, but take an action and write down some questions that you have for the Lord and then go in prayerfully listening uh, for what, what answers might come to you through the Holy ghost. Uh, I think a second thing is to consider what a few things, at least that the prophet said in the last general conference, you know, ending personal conflict, for example, or some of the other things that have been said about gathering Israel might be appropriate, but to consider uh, where they're at on those things and then build on that for this coming conference. Yeah. I think one of the things um, along with that one thought is, is that sometimes for some students that might not be as thoughtful and ponderous as others, it's hard to, they're like, I can't think of a question. And so maybe one of the things you could do is have your students actually uh, scripture feast on um, President Nelson, one of President Nelson's talks that he's given in the last conference and have them just read that and consider what questions would you ask President Nelson if he was just giving this talk directly to you, what questions would you ask him? Um, and have them practice writing down a question based off of something that they read him say. So you, the way I'd set it up is, all right, students, we're going to read President Nelson's last talk that he gave in conference. And as you read this, I want you to think of what question could you ask him? Uh, what question would you ask him after he was done speaking to you about something that he said, you know, and um, maybe provide some examples of those like, hey, could you tell me more about what this means or could you how do i know remember he talked about spiritual momentum and um like what's the best way to look for miracles in my life where am i going to see those questions like that um that's a really good question by the way do you remember the five ways to increase spiritual momentum brother wing i know one of them was about miracles and another one was about scripture study <laughs> that's good and ending conflict and so yeah that's a that's another one all right. Uh, any last words to these teachers, Brother Wing? No, I'm excited to study these Isaiah chapters this week with my students. This will be yeah. great. It'll be, it will be good. These are uh, some power packed chapters in, in Isaiah. And I think that, um, again, it's important for you to know, teachers, you can be flexible with this pacing guide. So you can spend more time on 54 through 57 if you want. If you like those uh, chapters a lot and think that those are going to help your students more, spend more time on those. But but stick in that 50 to 57 range and um, that'll be awesome. All right. As always, you guys can let us know if you have any questions, put comments in the Facebook uh, where I post this video and I'll respond to them because brother wing never checks Facebook and, um, and I'll post also the bookmark uh, there so that you can, you can download it and, and print it off and use it in your class for doctoral mastery. Fair enough. All right. Everybody stay righteous. Love your guts.